Salo Falaba, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up first. They found 379 packs of this uh, cocaine. Huge cocaine shipment seized in Tahiti. Also, I would not be where I am today in terms of having the confidence I have to be doing something which is pretty much male-dominated. Pacific sports journalists urge for more equal opportunities. And later on... I guess the time when I really started to immerse myself in the language was when I came to Auckland. We tell a note to RNZ Nationals Maramati Pole, who shares her ongoing journey in learning her Tuvaluan language. Customs officials and police in French Polynesia have seized 423 kilograms of cocaine hidden in a Swedish yacht. The public prosecutor says the boat was intercepted and searched in Papeete. My colleague Walter Zweifel joins us on Pacific Waves, who looked into the story. Walter, what's happened in French Polynesia? Well, this yacht was apparently off Tahiti and near Papeete when it was intercepted by the French uh, customs and asked to come into port. Uh, a search was done there. They used divers to go underneath as well, and apparently they found, according to the public prosecutor, Hervé Leroy, they found 379 packs of this uh, cocaine. Uh, the two people on board had Swedish passports, apparently, and they've been taken in for questioning. Such big hauls have been made in the past. Is there a pattern? Well, there have been many of these uh, incidents. Uh, they're talking about half a dozen in the last few years. And uh, previous hauls were, in fact, bigger. There uh, was one in uh, Nukuhiva back in 2017 when they got half a ton or 500 kilograms of cocaine. At that time, uh, the people on the ship were a Pole, a man from Poland, and two people from the Netherlands. Uh, in 2019, they had a, another incident where they found... Uh, 340 kilograms of cocaine on a yacht that ran aground on Apatiki and the Tuamotus. At that time, there were three Italians and the Peruvian. Um, interestingly, quite often these ships seem to be coming from South America, most often from Panama, and they all seem to have been bound uh, for Australia. So if there's a pattern, it is that's a traffic that goes from east to west, through French Polynesian waters, either they are intercepted or they have incidents and then uh, get caught or possibly uh, you know, get through. So what's the punishment? Punishment is in general, if you get caught with such a quantity of drugs, it is uh, um, around 10 years in prison and uh, accompanying that is a fine uh, offering the range of about 8 to 10 million US dollars plus then there is a fee to be paid which is um, based on the value of the drug uh, in terms to customs duty that is due so it's it's a severe punishment uh, as a pattern we can say it's foreigners uh, traveling through uh, there was an incident, for example, a, a couple of years ago when a, a ship was um, intercepted uh, off New Caledonia after being tipped off by French Polynesian, possibly Australian police, and in that case there was 1.4 tonnes of the drug uh, on board. Is cocaine a big problem in French Polynesia? 
Uh, not known if it is a big problem. The big drug issue in French police is methamphetamine. Uh, that's a drug that is also smuggled in, uh, mainly from the United States and Mexico. Uh, methamphetamine uh, incidents are quite frequent. According to the public prosecutor, in a population of less than 200,000 on Tahiti and Morea, there are 10,000 users. It's a, a, a huge societal issue that is now also being noticed in places like Samoa, American Samoa and Tonga. So methamphetamine is the drug uh, of choice. Pacific sports journalists are banding together to demand equal opportunities and recognition within their own organisations and the region. There have been many failed attempts over the years to form functioning sports journalist associations in the Pacific. But a revival is gaining momentum with support from the Oceania National Olympic Committee. RNZ Pacific's Koroi Hawkins filed this report from discussions among Pacific sports journalists gathered in Honiara this week for the 2022 Pacific Media Summit. The Oceania National Olympic Committee on Monday hosted Pacific sports journalists to discuss ongoing work to revive or establish their own associations. So far, Fiji, Tonga, Papua New Guinea and Solomon Islands have registered their associations, with Vanuatu not too far behind. A review of the associations and a survey of sports journalists in the region was performed by Asinate Wainingolo, an established sports journalist in her own right, on behalf of the committee. Some of the issues that they've raised is that um, there's always a challenge with sports journalism in the Pacific, that it's not something that's um, um, looked upon you know, um, as, as a serious discipline. Um, it's sort of used as a stepping stone into the newsroom. There's also challenges in the newsroom that there's a lot more focus on the news journalists as opposed to the sports journalists who don't get usually the opportunities um, to cover events. But when you look at um, the re- revenue-generating opportunities, mm. it's really the sports that brings in the revenue into the newsroom. So there's sort of that disparity. And while these are already significant challenges for any journalist to face, women journalists have an even tougher time trying to break into Pacific sports coverage. Elizabeth Osifelo is one of the first Solomon Islands women sports journalists to commentate football matches in Honiara. She shared during discussions that the first few games she got a lot of negative feedback, but having regional support networks helped her to persist with her craft, which she continues now as sports editor at Tavoli News. That network kind of built the capacity that we're running on now. Um, so if it was only like we just relied on ourselves, I think uh, for me personally, I would not be where I am uh, today in terms of having the confidence I have to be doing something which is pretty much male-dominated still in the, in, in the region. Another pioneering woman sports journalist is Adele Willy, a sports journalist and presenter for Buzz FM in Vanuatu. She shared that the cultural and societal expectations placed on Pacific women are also daily challenges they have to overcome in their own professional careers. Everyone has the right eh, to report and uh, write and um, photograph everything. It's, it's all about the passion that uh, mm. you have. And I, I, I must say that it's uh, through uh, partnership with uh, other, uh, other uh, organizations and funding. That's where we came from. Asinete Wainingolo says this was also evident from survey respondents' answers. 
Some of the issues too that were raised is that um, you know women don't get the opportunities in sports journalism. There's a lot more young um, sports journalists. There's only a few experienced um, left. Um, to be able to pass the knowledge, the skills and the experience to the younger journalists coming in. And so there's really a lot of gaps that we need to strengthen. One of the few senior veteran sports journalists still supporting young up-and-coming journalists is Ilyesa Tora, who's helped set up the Tonga Sports Journalist Association. He says media owners, managers and editors need to step up and recognise and value the work that their sports journalists do. In the Pacific, uh, it is challenging in the way that uh, most of the newsrooms are, are, are so small. Uh, so uh, people get thrown around into covering different, different things. But for sports journalism, um, there is really a need in, in the region uh, to provide um, the, the opportunity for, for journalists who want to cover sports, specifically sports. The Oceania National Olympic Committee is hoping to help sports journalists in more Pacific countries set up their own associations and get accreditation to the International Sports Press Association. Regional participants at the Media Summit in Honiara this week are also discussing the merits of setting up a Pacific Islands Sports Journalists Association. Tuvalu Language Week is currently underway in New Zealand with events organised by community groups. With around 5,000 Tuvaluans living in New Zealand, sustaining the language has never been more important, especially with the climate crisis being a major threat to the tiny island nation. Speaking with Finau Funua, RNZ Nationals newsreader Maramati Pole, shared her personal journey of mastering the Tuvaluan language and strengthening her cultural identity. Well, I grew up uh, in Dunedin and with a Pākehā mum, a Tuvaluan father, and a long way away from Tuvalu and even a lot of our larger communities in New Zealand. We only had one or two other Tuvalu families um, in Dunedin at the time. So it was really hard to um, have that kind of connection to our language. I'd often beg my father to speak it to us, but he felt um, it was best to speak English in the home. That was uh, what he thought was best for us with my mum being a Pākehā. Um, so I, you know, grew up not really speaking it at all, and I guess the time when I really started to immerse myself in the language was when I came to Auckland for work um, and my first job, and I was, I just really threw myself into the community. You know, we had fagala, we had church, we had that's fagala's feast, um, you know, dancing, fadbele, and everything. I just soaked it up. Um, and then my dad actually set up a Tuvalu language uh, church in Auckland and he was a church minister. He asked me to be the Sunday school superintendent and I'd never done that before. But then he, you know, all the parents and the grandparents only spoke Tuvaluan, so they weren't going to move to speak in English, so I had to really adapt and try and come up to speed. And me and my broken Tuvalu, and I was trying to, you know, interact with uh, our small community. And really, that was the the biggest catalyst for me uh, learning my language. Over seven years, I was in this total immersion environment. Um, you know, every week, every Sunday, uh, really traditional uh, church, and that was like the the really. Um, I, I guess the big learning classroom that, that was my language, language um, lessons it really um, in terms of interacting with our community so it was a real blessing for me to, 
to serve in the community doing that. It really it blessed me with the Ngana Tuvalu. And how important is Tuvalu in language? Um, does it? Do you think it's important? Um, Tuvalu these language weeks, um, Tuvalu language week in particular. For me, as a New Zealand-born and raised Tuvaluan, growing up not having language, I always felt there was like a hole inside my identity or who I was. There was something missing. Uh, it was annoying within myself, uh, wanting to connect with that side of my culture um, that surpassed more than just being within the environment. I wanted to be able to connect relationship-wise, connect and understand what was being said at all of these meetings in church and family gatherings. I was a fly on the wall, an outsider, and I knew language was the key. Um, once I started to put in those building blocks to uh, the wall, that is my language, um, and, you know, putting them one by one down on, on that wall, um, I can't describe for me how it feels to be able to sit. I was at a Tuvanawan uh, gathering this morning of old people and when I first moved to Auckland I wouldn't have been able to understand anything. This morning I was able to follow what they were talking about, laugh at their jokes, smile, cry, thinking about my dad who used to be at this um, elderly people's group and um, yeah, I just can't describe it in terms of what it means for me as a Tuvaluan to, um, to have that part of me um, now locking into place. So, I mean, it's a gradual journey, you know, and I think that's one thing if some people say, oh, I didn't grow up speaking it, end of story. But for myself, I always knew that it was going to be a long journey, you know, Years later, now not fluent, but still growing on that journey, and but being able to converse is, is awesome. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Manuele Vayaso, Tofa Soifua.